0: Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation.
1: Well, Rob, I'm excited. We have a good friend of Lee University actually on. She's been here a couple other times, wrote a new book called Rhythms of Renewal, and her and her husband, Dave, started Q Ideas. Can you give a big welcome to our friend, Rebecca Lyons? Great
0: to see you, Rebecca, again. Looking forward to seeing you again in a couple months at Q, so thank you for being on the show. Rebecca, you, oh, you could tell the story. Yeah,
1: yeah, you tell the story that in the book, Rhythms of Renewal, um, about the story of anxiety, how you overcame it, but it certainly sort of flooded back in on a trip with you and Gabe. What What was that event? What was that like?
2: You know, I think relapse has a way of finding all of us. You have a season of walking free and feeling like, oh wow, I think we've kind of got a new way of living established. But I do realize in that season, I was not getting enough sleep. I was traveling too much. I was so excited about my freedom that I wasn't taking rest and taking care of myself and my body and I found myself locked in this tiny little bathroom stall, unable to leave or escape and mm. everyone was gone and my phone died. And it was just like, a, it was a, you know, Trifecta of unfortunate events that sent me spiraling into the worst panic attack of my life And it had been about seven years since the last one So it felt very defeating and discouraging and I asked God if I was a fraud and all these things and The message in that the Lord wanted to a humble me and remind me that my body actually keeps the score of the pace and the intensity that we put it through And there is a muscle memory of anxiety. It, you know, there is a groove in my brain that's been carved to say that if something locks and I feel trapped, then I, the lie is that I, that I will die. Like I can't survive this Mm -hmm. kind of feeling trapped, and I have to run. And if I can't run, then I don't know what to do. So God just reminded me that night after a lot of dialogue, um, just trying to figure out what what was this about. And He says, "I don't." promise that fear won't come knocking, but I always make a way of escape
1: mm, yeah. that you
2: will be able to bear it. And and the story that the book begins with is I found a little window that was tiny and it was antique and I was able to hoist myself on the back of the toilet and slowly like squeeze my hips out until I could like be out of that tiny space. But it was a real good reminder that we've got to slow down. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're operating and functioning in rhythm. And that began really the genesis for this book that came out over two years later of how have we established lives for sustained emotional and spiritual and relational health?
0: Yeah. I I love your focus on the word rhythm. Um, I have tried to, as much as I can avoid the conversation of living a life in balance as much as possible because balance indicates something that I'm trying to do to keep everything in play. So in my time here with a lot of students, I try to help them focus on healthy rhythms, not good balance. And so uh, I love your focus on that word because the issue with rest is when we don't get it, it's both, Uh, it's both destructive and delusional on our part to think that we can actually keep maintaining a certain speed of life. So um, this rhythm idea for you then, was that birthed out of this experience or was it something that was brought back out from previous, you know, uh, discipleship or books you've read, uh, this idea of rhythm?
2: You know, I think because I started just study you know how God established the created order in rhythm evening and morning the first day the second day the third day and all of a sudden we have day and night and we have satellites and constellations in orbit and we've got tides on a beach we've got a created order that establishes in rhythm whether it's spring summer fall winter and then all of a sudden our bodies are the culmination of His creation as humans you know with pulse with breathing with heartbeat and um, even we walk with a rhythm and a cadence we were made as people of rhythm to actually thrive within a created order of rhythm like in, an, mm. in creation and in nature and so that's why I think it's so fun like we're in the middle of winter right now and our bodies are furthest from the sun right now our days are shorter than they are at any other point of the year they're starting to get long again praise God but <laughs> it means our bodies actually need more sleep in the winter I'm, I'm told by scientists that we take on a hibernation mode and we're supposed to actually go inward a little and reflect and get quiet and not be so you know driven to to do do to to go but to go like hey are, am i supposed to examine the heart a little bit more in this cadence of winter right this there's a lot going on under the surface in creation in in winter and there's a lot going on under the surface in our bodies in winter And that's why people feel like the sting of blue Monday. It's the third Monday of January. It's coined the most depressing day of the year, which is this coming Monday. And I think it's, it's because we we're done with the the, the holidays are long behind us. You know, all we have ahead for the next six or eight weeks is more winter and, um, our resolutions have all been broken. You know, 80% of us (laughs) don't keep resolutions. So we got 21 days to break a habit that we tried that we could never make. And uh, so I just want to encourage people that go, okay, maybe life isn't about resolutions. This like drive to like, I can't ever seem to get around this year. Because over time, if, if, if eight out of 10 of us aren't keeping those anyways, it's because we weren't made to just resolve change. We were actually made to operate within the rhythm that we already exist in. And so part of, I think, our invitation from God is, hey, I, I, I'm, I operate in rhythm and I created you to operate in rhythm. And when you get outside the boundaries of rhythm, when you're trying to live like it's summer, but it's winter, um, you start to spin out. Or when you're inactive in the summer where new life is everywhere, you start to feel down or depressed because you're actually, I made you to cultivate the earth. So part of it is going, mm. how do we become a people of rhythm and rest, restore, connect, create? If we have to sleep, let's be intentional about it. If we have to eat, what are we putting in our body for fuel? If we need to connect in friendships, how are we leading with vulnerability or hospitality? How are we apologizing first and, and making room for conflict resolution instead of being depressed? Mm you know, the problem. And then finally create is like, are we actually being brave and taking risks vocationally with the gifts that God's given us?
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. i had never considered myself a person of rhythm because I failed at learning the guitar. Like that was the worst part of it, it was like <laughs> strumming the right hand on time. Like I have no rhythm. So you freed me to believe I have rhythm again, Rebecca. Do. That's you a good do. thing. So you absolutely but- do. So, I so if we, you if own
2: that dance floor, yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I was terrible, man. Uh,
0: um, yeah, we're both terrible. So, at I, that. I won't tell me who
1: told me <laughs> to, to quit playing. That's another story. Um, but, how do we recognize if we're always in this, this pattern of rhythms, whether they're good or bad, how do we recognize the unhealthy rhythms of our life?
2: Right. Well, those are less rhythms than they are compulsions or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, Like addiction is a stronger word, but compulsion Mm. or addiction really is anything that we seek to give us that dopamine hit that that pleasure um, sensation to help us avoid the things that are painful to us so i would say compulsions is probably the the unhealthy version of a rhythm Um, it doesn't mean that you don't do those compulsions in rhythm but usually rhythms are more the natural uh things god made your body to need like it's a rhythm that you need to eat every you know three meals a day and it's a rhythm that god invites you that you need to rest The compulsion around sleep is when you have disordered rhythms, right? So if you don't sleep at night and you're up from three to five, that's because your mind won't quit and there's an unhealth. There's like a neurosis there that you need to kind of invite God into or disordered eating, right? If you're supposed to eat three meals a day, but you're actually addicted to food because it's comforting to you, it's covering or masking pain. Uh, then all of a sudden, that bec- that rhythm is turned into a compulsion, and so part of it, I think, is for us to. S- this is a much deeper question than you asked for, but I-, I think that's where this goes. Is is like what's the difference between rhythms versus like compulsions that we yeah. just that are really to help comfort and become like these godlike affections that 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 take the place of God being. Uh, able to reorder those things in a healthy way. So, so when that happens, part of it's going, where are the places I go when I feel lonely? Where are the places that I go when I feel tired or when I feel stressed? Um, what are the, like, um, those simple guilty pleasures of life that I tend to want to just numb out and medicate because there's some pain that I don't want to resolve or face? Um, And that that I think is really wonderful um, to approach. There's no shame in it, especially now in the mental health space, because there's no stigma anymore. We all have pain like (laughs) Jesus is like in this life, you will have trouble. And he was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. So I think we're fooling ourselves to think that we were invited to a life of just ease. It's more about when the pain comes, how do you honor it? How do you invite God in to join you there? how do you be still long enough that, that you can walk through healing? Um, and so part of those things take intention. They're not fun. It requires work. Uh, but you actually will walk through a healing process there, d- instead of these quick fix, Band-Aid, dopamine hits that can walk you through numbing out for a decade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my office here as the campus pastor, last year alone, we had 1,100 individual counseling appointments with students in two semesters. Uh, fall and spring. Um, the top two conversations I have when someone comes to my office are vocational, what I do with my life, and uh, mental health driven. Statistics say as much as 35 to 40 percent of incoming freshmen have diagnosable mental health illnesses, largely stemming from this issue of anxiety uh, or stress or performance uh, kind of issues. So if you were sitting in my chair Uh, which you probably don't want to. Uh, I wouldn't either, but but no, it's great. Uh, If you were sitting in my chair, what would you begin to say to incoming students or those students who are coming in with those kinds of questions?
2: Well, that existential crisis is really what you're dealing with, and it's happening at a much younger age. Like normally for our parents and the people before the, their generation before them and that was more midlife that's why we had something called a midlife crisis and you would go buy right. a shiny red car or a convertible and you quit your job um but the victor frankel huge fan of his work i don't know how much you're familiar with logotherapy but he says unlike freud who says we're made for pleasure and adler who says we're made for power frankel says we're actually made for meaning he's a hebrew man borrowed from his jewish faith it says actually god gave and meaning comes from three things you your love, your work, and your bravery and suffering. Mm. And I think it's interesting. The third one is bravery and suffering. This is a guy who survived four concentration camps in three years and fed his father morphine on his final days before he went to the gas chamber. This guy understands what it means to be brave and suffering. And who modeled that more than anyone but Christ, right? This bravery and suffering, there's almost a nobility to go like, actually, I'm I'm going to be brave, actually, when I walk through hard things, because I know that you're with me, even when I walk through that valley of the shadow of death. So partly, I think, but Frankel says that this existential crisis, like, does my life have meaning? Does my life matter? Um, Who am I? Where do I go? What, What does significance look like? That roots out of a society of affluence and boredom. And the problem and the reason why that's dropping to a lower age now is that a lot of teens and college students are living in a day, a decade, like a, an age of decadence. We have affluence. And when we have affluence, the reason we have boredom is because we actually don't have to work for food, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to, um, mm-hmm. like, so we're not in survival instincts anymore. And so we're no longer governed by what we ought to do or what we must do. We're left with what we want to do. And the problem is, is we aren't made to actually answer those questions because we're supposed to be ordered by what we must do by something beyond us, outside of us. So I would say for a lot of college students, there's this pressure, this existential crisis of what is, does my life matter? Does my life have meaning? And if it does, which I believe it does, it should, right? Because I'm only 18 or 20 and I've got my whole, everyone tells me I have my whole life ahead of me and everyone's banking on my success. It puts this undue pressure on a college student to actually just let those gifts naturally come to the surface. Mm-hmm. Like we're almost trying to preempt it. We're trying to guarantee that like it can almost be celebrity status, whatever it is we do. And and because we live in a day and an age where everything we do is public and it has to be um, uh, approved of, like the public opinion of approval is now front and center. It's like we just are it's unprecedented what college students are walking through because I didn't have to do that at their age. I, I got to make mistakes in, in private with counseling and like you said, and with friendships, but now it's, it's all out for public consumption and that's not really, none of us were really made to learn, to live, to make mistakes to grieve, I mean, to do, I'm, I'm still thinking like, I took Gabe and I joke all the time like, wow, if we were on Instagram as college students, we would have no credibility as adults, right? Because everything is recorded. We have did some of the dumbest stuff like, and these poor kids don't even have permission to make mistakes or, mm-hmm. or just make, you know, they, they feel so much pressure because the eyes are always on. So I would just tell kids like my own kids, right? I have three, three high schoolers actually. And I, we just, we're not, they, they're still not allowed to do like social stuff in a way. Like my daughter's 15. She's not on Instagram. She's almost 15. My, my son is, but we manage it and it's really just music for him. So we really manage that. Um, but partly it's just limiting that more than ever because, uh, it's, it, it just steals the creativity that's already in them, right? When, mm. As long as we're f- watching what somebody else is doing and comparing ourselves with them, it actually stifles the creativity that you've already been given. Right. And the reason that we actually become something in life or we, we have aspirations that we start to see realize is because we feel freedom to pursue what's already there. So I would just tell kids, hey, take, take a tech detox for starters, and just ask God to remind you of those dreams and gifts in your heart. Um, and it's so hard because FOMO is such a big deal for kids. Like, yes, if I don't is. see what everyone's doing, I will be missing out. The problem is you start to see all the parties you weren't invited to. And instead of feeling like you're engaged more, you're more depressed and more isolated and feel rejection far more deeply because it's all the time. But when you don't know what you're missing out on, you actually don't have to dwell on the on the rejection. You're just like, hey, God's going to bring me the right friends and he's going to bring me my quirky. Like I was in the band, the marching band, played trumpet. I mean, that would have been not cool then at all if it was like the public, my public profile of me at like every band right. competition, right? But But in my own little world, I was happy as a clam because I was like, these are my people, we're all quirky band people, and we have a lot of fun together. And so I wasn't really feeling the weight of comparison with like the cheerleading squad. Even though you might see that at school, it wasn't like I felt inferior, I just felt unique or different. And I think we can start seeing ourselves that way. Like we all come, Parker Palmer, Palmer says it best in the book, Let Your Life Speak. He says, we all come into this world with birthright gifts. Every single one of us has Mm -hmm. a natural bent towards something that is God breathed. When he knit us in Psalm 139, he says, my works are wonderful. No, I know that full well. And all your days were written and planned before one of them began. So not only does he gift us, he calls out destiny and prepares us with the gifts to fulfill actually what he sees for our life. So we don't have to stress to like figure it out by a certain age. Uh, I know for me, I didn't start writing until I was 37. I would have never dreamed that I was part of the call and destiny on my life. Never thought I was going to be public speaker, teacher, whatever. So God's like, Hey, I've actually ordained what your future looks like. And I'm giving you the birthright gifts to get there. Trust me. Do you trust me? Do you trust my timing. Do you trust permission to fail and to fail forward and to learn some things the hard way when you're younger so that when you have more quote unquote favor or doors opening, you're ready for it. Right? Cause you've actually had humility and you've actually some, built some character along the way. Um, but what I would tell people all is that Parker Palmer says we all come into this world with birthright gifts. He said, but early on we abandon them or others disabuse them. Hmm. But if we're aware and awake and able to admit our loss, we spend the second half of our lives recovering the gifts we've always possessed. Wow. So my encouragement for a college student is like, don't wait till you did till I. I didn't recover the gifts until late thirties, but but at eighteen and twenty and twenty-two, ask those existential questions if you're asking those questions reorder those questions where they belong and say god you search me and you know me you know when Mm. i sit and rise you know my thoughts from afar you know my going out my lying down you're familiar with all my ways so will you actually show me through your holy spirit these birthright gifts that are unique to me and how you might want to mobilize them i don't actually have to look to the left or the right i don't have to look at what my friend is good at i don't have to peek at social media for my worth. I know my worth comes from God and the gifts that he has literally infused in my DNA are from him as well. So I could trust that and trust that the doors that open and close are for my good and for my protection because every good and perfect gift comes from him. So while it feels like if you get laid off of your third job or while it feels like this person broke up with you and you know, all is lost, and that leads to depression or anxiety because again we fear, and so then we mask um, with control. We mask fear with control. I would just, I would just say, hey, let's let's instead like loosen our grip and go. I trust that God is doing all this for my good because He sees all my days from the very beginning hmm. before I yeah. will ever see them. And with that, yeah. com- with that comfort in counseling, um, I at forty five still hear God say, Rebecca, do you trust me? And I'm still trying to go, but wait, does that mean that I don't get to do this? And he's like, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. What about this? Do you trust me? I'm like, that's not an answer. But really, Jesus always responds with <laughs> questions yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm the God who actually wants to see you thrive more than you do? I'm your, I'm your heavenly father. I, I delight in watching you live out the gifts that I've given you. And I will open every door to make that possible. Do you trust me? And so it comes back to us as sons and daughters of God of going, yes, I know what raises serotonin in my body. I understand oxytocin. I want to take these rhythms seriously for health and vitality. And I want to do that in submission, knowing that God actually wants me to thrive and he wants to see me well. And he doesn't want me to have all these compulsions or addictions, cover pain, but he wants to meet me there so I can be whole.
1: Yeah. I, I, wow. I, I mean, I feel like we're just starting the conversation. I know you're on a, a short time frame. Um, I don't know if, whether I need to pay you for my counseling or take an offering for the message. I'm like, somehow, a check is going to come Rebecca's way out of this of this conversation. she got a few amens out of Go ahead, preach, um, Go <laughs> ahead, Wow, this is great it. stuff. And, and I feel like, and I know I know, we're a really short time, but I, but I want to just see if you can answer this, and then we'll go to our final question. It seems like this is a kingdom message. There's a couple other books talking about rest and and slowing down hurry. And I had a pastor who said there's always a kingdom word, like an overarching word for the whole church. Um, Do you feel like that's part of what's happening right now? The slow down and rest piece?
2: Yeah, I think it's back to the simple be still and know that I am God. Mm. Stop playing God, you know? Stop trying to fix everything that's wrong with this planet. Um, the minute we get freaked out about politics or freaked out about um, even like the faith system of the church or the crumbling um, identities that we have uh, within and without of the church walls, and we take it upon ourselves as if we are the problem solvers god 's like, you were actually i don 't delight in you serving me. Um, I delight in you receiving from me." And from mm-hmm. that place of fullness, the overflow is natural. It's not burning you out. It's not exhausting you. Um, we have become in the church in so many ways these demigods of of just trying to solve everything, and we're ta- and our bodies are just like I, I think God actually made our bodies to function in a way to go. No, you. If, if my command, like Sabbath isn't an optional thing, like right. he, yeah. he literally exiled, he exiled his people, his holy people um, for 70 years because they never obeyed and rest the land. It's not an optional thing to rest. God's like, uh, last time I checked, I'm God and I rested. So when I ask you to rest and you choose not to, that's direct defiance against me that you think you're actually better than me i'm resting and i'm inviting you to join me there and you think nah i don't really need it i actually need to go serve you on sunday and so instead i just think what are we doing where are we owning our frailty and just saying okay i'm going to take a sabbath seriously this weekend might not be on a sunday morning because i'm I, my vocation involves sunday mornings but I am going to make sure that before I go into that role, I'm going to receive from you the bounty of your goodness and your provision because I am, but you know, I'm frail and I'm feeble and I'm a son and I'm a daughter and I need to know that I am loved first. And from that overflow, I can actually go back out and serve someone else.
0: Amazing. Why
1: don't you ask our our one final question No, Rebecca's got things to get to. This is
0: is a softball question. We ask every uh, guest on the show, this, this question: uh, What's one lesson you learned uh, in college that you actually didn't learn in the classroom? Oh wow! You
2: know, <laughs> I think I learned. I think I learned that relationships are not transactional. Like real mm. relationships, friendships. Uh, I just, I just wanted to be, and I write a real. I write a lot about friendship in the Connect Rhythm of the book, and that affects a lot of college students because you are in a season where you're. You are going to establish some lifelong friends right now, and don't so stress about your future vocation that you're not establishing uh, college friendships that are still going to be with you three decades later. I'm not that old, but I'm two and a half decades later. True that, Jeff. And yeah, we still <laughs> we, we still met get with our best friends from college. Yes,
1: we uh, met. We met in, a, just, in the, yeah. We met an Old Testament survey class here at Lee, <laughs> and look at us now. We're look full grown guys. guys.
2: It's true because we um, are communal beings made by communal God, and we cannot do this alone. Like depression roots they from mean, isolation and loneliness, yeah. and depression brings on a host of other afflictions. And a lot of these kids who are looking for counseling don't feel like they have someone that they can talk to. 28% of millennials say they have, don't have a real friend. 46% of millennials say they have high feelings of loneliness. That's almost half of us not yeah. us. I'm not a millennial. That's almost half of your college students or Gen Z now. So this is a real big deal. This loneliness epidemic is also feeding counseling sessions because it's the only place people feel like they can actually go and bring their whole selves uh-huh. and not be judged. So let's make sure that we create a culture on campus that is welcoming, not condemning or legalizing and, and just say, hey, how, how can I be a friend to you? How can we be friends to each other? We need each other.
1: Awesome. I know we're out of time. Rebecca, how can we stay connected to you?
2: Just my website, RebeccaLyons.com or at Rebecca Lyons on all, all the things. And if, you're, if your college students want to figure out their healthiest rhythm, I have a free, quick five-minute online quiz. It's RebeccaLyons.com slash quiz. And they'll find out, it's multiple choice in five minutes, which rhythm is coming most naturally for them. So that'll be like, woohoo, you're awesome at create or you're awesome at connect. Um, but here's some ways to strengthen the other three. And that's just a real easy free resource that a lot of people want to know where to begin on this rhythms journey.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: We are so, thank you so much. Um, yeah, this thank was you. incredible. So thank you. We'll, we'll talk to you real soon. Rob, we just said goodbye to a good friend of ours. Not goodbye, like she died, but <laughs> goodbye <laughs> okay. on the air. We'll edit that but, part out. To, <laughs> to a, a good friend of ours, Rebecca <laughs> Lyons, who's a friend of the university. And really challenged me on this this idea of rest, um, this idea of a tech detox. I know she was talking to to college students and young adults, yeah. but but as even a grown adult, I feel like I'm in this compulsion she talked about, where I think I pick up my phone probably three thousand times a day just to see if nobody texts me. Yeah. Um, w- what are you doing to to engage in rest? Uh, th-
0: this this actually was a, a very particular topic for me to discuss because um, several years ago, almost, gosh, I would say almost 10 years ago now, uh, when I was a, a master's degree student at Biola University, we had to, um, we had to do these mandata- uh, mandatory spiritual formation retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fought like the devil to get out of them because I didn't see the value in them. But what I learned out of that experience was this, the spiritual disciplines rest is one of them. She mentioned a couple others, but this idea of rest specifically was one that I particularly struggled with. Um, And so, so when she wrote these books about rhythm and all this other stuff, I mean, it really came to kind of a full circle conversation for me. And one of the things that I've learned through that entire journey of my own spiritual discipline is the value of rest. Now rest, being sleep there's also uh you know there's solitude there's there's all kinds of ways that we can practice these but the criticalness of rest and i think i said it uh in the in the show but but we both deceive ourselves or are delusional yeah or even destructive to ourselves right. when we actually do not take the time to rest mm-hmm. and that is more than just uh taking a nap on the couch which could be that uh it's it's more than just uh Um, getting a couple hours sleep at night, though it could be part of that. Rest really is that holistic, complete and total disconnect from the world and allowing your body to naturally do what your body naturally does, and that's restore itself and rest. And I know for me, and you probably could echo the same, there's no time where I'm more tempted with sin or with stupid decisions than when I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I think I think um
1: John Acuff says that we have limited um willpower. So right. So I can resist the Snickers bar at 9 a.m. I have a hard time resisting ice cream at 10 PM. Yeah. So and, and that's that's not even a sin. That's just me being yeah, lazy, me you know? Being, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I think where I struggle if we're for being transparent is this concept of of resting in the Lord. Rebecca pushed really hard on this, this questioning of the Lord. And even today as I journaled and just sort of pressed into some things, I had that same question arise from Jesus. I felt, do you trust me? That's a loaded question because trust means that this idea of rest is me resting in his promises, resting in his plan, because I want to go hustle and make it happen. And if it's not happening fast enough for me, then I'm going to push on the gas and try to get it to go. Um, and then, then this sort of reminder from God is, do you, do you trust me is a, really a question of rest. Can you rest in my plan yeah. and in my promises and, and that I will open the door, that my timings are right? Um, because I think in, the, in this hurry and rush, we're almost trying to get ahead of God um, instead of really trusting that his promises and his plan are, are perfect.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, you know, I, think, I don't think God minds the hustle. No, no, I agree. Right? But I think what he does mind is the deviation from holiness, which comes from a lack of rest—not only yeah. rest physically, which he, you know, largely was was discussing—and um, but this also this aspect of the theology of rest, mm-hmm. resting in His promises, resting in His presence, resting in His power, yeah. resting in all these things. So I, it's not that God asks us to stop hustling, right? I, I think I think there's value in work. I think that's a whole different set of spiritual conversations that we could have. Um, but I think this issue of rest is one that's largely overlooked just because of the culture and the time that we live in. A social media detox is not only about just getting away from the comparison factor. It's also learning to shut your brain off long enough that it can actually recover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I have a, a couple verses here. Uh, Psalm 62 one says, my soul finds rest in God alone. Right. That's a spiritual rest. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's one. Uh, and then in Deuteronomy 33 and 12, let, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Right. And I think this whole idea of rest, um, we, we, we perceive it as either laziness, not doing the hustle. Yeah. Uh, some of us perceive it as a, as, a, as a waste of time. Right. It's only so many hours in the day. Uh, some of us perceive it as uh, a necessary evil. I know people who, who intentionally try to limit themselves to four hours of sleep at night, you know, just so they can do stuff. And it's, it's difficult. And I've got teenage, well, one of them is a teenager now. Yeah. The other yeah. one's in his 20s. You've got I've teenage got teenagers cares. all and in my house. I'm like, bro, shut it off. Yeah. You cannot go to bed at 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning playing video games and expect to wake up the next day productive. Right. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what your age. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, these things are, are so important for us to understand that, that if we're really wanting to do God's will, if we're serious about maximizing the gifts that we have for the kingdom, mm-hmm. that we can't do it outside of a rest. Yeah. And culturally,
1: I think um, there are some people in marketing and in business about five, six years ago where the hustle was sexy like like to yeah. work 20 hours a day and sleep 4 hours and eat nothing but fast food became almost a badge of honor and it's almost like culture has swung far the other way because we got so unhealthy we talk about mental health the physical health the obesity the all the things that come right. with the lack of really self care showed up because we were hustling ourselves to death um so i think that was so interesting that rebecca talked about with us this sort of being able to shut it down, being able to slow down, I think it comes from again this this ability to sort of just like you said, shut it down. like our devices buzz nonstop right If you have email and you have email notifications, you will get emails from one to four a m like an just z- 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 z the whole time. and if that's in your presence, that's gonna that's gonna be a distraction from true rest. Um, even subconsciously subconsciously just to have it in the room i think there was a study um, my wife teaches and they said there was a study of of students who just had the device in the room with them scored uh, more poorly on tests than those that left it in a locker Mm. like just the presence of a device um, that fear of missing out Um, so i think finding a rhythm of rest i I love that word as much as you did when you talked about on the show that there's a rhythm to it, which means consistency. It means it's it's repeatable. Um, a rhythm of self care. Um, there was so, listen. There was so much good in this episode. Yeah. I, I'm gonna recommend everybody listen it at half speed and like take notes <laughs> and Creative listen rhythm. three or four times. Creative rhythm and then and then maybe buy the book, like and yeah. share it with a friend. Um, it almost should probably be a a textbook for college students coming on campus.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it. God created us with nine distinctive systems in our body. Yeah. Nine distinctive. They all collaborate together in unison so that we can walk and stand and breathe and eat and feel emotion, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. Anytime one of those systems is out of whack, the entire body pays for it. Right. Right. So, So the creative rhythm that God gives us is so essential. And I think... She glossed over it really quickly, mm-hmm. but that was such a poignant part to understanding who we are in Christ and what we are in Christ is understanding that creative rhythm that he gets us, not balance. There are times where balance is, is, and is an okay or an acceptable term. I'm not saying we should do away right. with the word in the English vocabulary, but in terms of our Christian living. In terms of maximizing our vocation, our calling, our purpose in life, in terms of understanding what true mental, spiritual, emotional health looks like, it's found in rhythm, not in balance. Balance indicates that you have to fight to keep everything in play. Rhythm indicates that you can allow for a tremendous amount of flex, pain, disappointment, anxiety, euphoria, all those good things right, are incorporated at and still stay heading towards the ultimate goal, and that is to become more like Christ. So. Uh, you know, I, I'll hammer on it as long as I can hammer on it, but mm-hmm. I think it's the rhythm that we need to pay attention to because in the rhythm, it allows for the failure that she yeah. was talking about. Yeah, it gives us the freedom to fail. It gives us the faith to fail forward, as right. as Rick would often say. You know, to our to our staff and, and to church when when I was there. But I mean, learning how to fail and fail well is so critical to this right. generation.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's your point about balance. Balance makes it, and this is my perception of it, that it's all on me. Yeah. That, that I don't have that trust in the Lord. Rest means God, it's all yours. You're going to hold it up. I don't have to. It doesn't mean I'm, doesn't mean I'm walking away from responsibilities that I have. Right. But a, but a sense of, of God, you gave this gift to me. And I love the talk conversation about, about birthright gifts and, but you gave these gifts to me. You gave these responsibilities to me. You're, you're the one who holds them. I cast all my cares upon you. Right. And, and I think when we can release some of that, we start to find rest. I think, I think we don't rest because we're still
0: holding on to everything. Yeah. Um, She talked about the, uh, the masking it with control. Oh my goodness. Yes. Do we not? (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) Right. I mean, so I, I think we, we, we often describe rest as passive and it's not passive. It's restorative, right? Rest is, doesn't mean that we abdicate our responsibilities. Like you just said, it just means that we know in the midst of everything that we're, our souls, our minds, our hearts are fully engaged with the power and the presence of God's spirit, understanding and knowing that in spite of the outcomes, which is the control piece, right. he's still in charge. He's still in control. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose for our life. We have value. We have worth. We have meaning. When we get to that place, I think then we truly begin to understand the power of what it means to rest in the Lord. Yeah. It was
1: a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Larry Osborne and he pressed that same issue. Trust, yeah. do the work, trust God with the outcomes. Exactly. And I think that we're always trying to manipulate the outcomes um, because we want the clout. We want the fame. We want the recognition And and I think when that's the motive, we're not really doing the work of the Lord. And if that's all we're after, we'll keep striving and we'll keep we'll hustle. We'll do all those things because it simply becomes about me. Yeah. But if as we were at Passion a couple weeks ago, and and their 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 sort of claim to fame is that we're going to give God the fame. If that's the motive, then God doesn't really need my help. He just asked me to partner with Him.
0: Right. So if you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 20, where Jesus gives them instruction, he says, hey, don't rejoice in the fact that demons obey you. Yeah, that's powerful. Right. He says, rejoice in the fact that your names are written down in heaven. In other words, don't celebrate the success of the mission. Celebrate right more than you actually celebrate the alignment with the mission. Yeah, it's all about alignment. It's true. It's all about alignment. How are our hearts and our minds and our lives aligned with Christ, I think in in the idea of alignment, he mean, you talk about like
1: like a car being aligned, it's so much smoother. Like if your car is in alignment, the ride is so much smoother. It doesn't mean you don't hit potholes or bumps, right? But you're you're not fighting it as much. And right. I think this idea of of rhythms, um, rhythms and rest, and she talked about rhythms and creativity and and different rhythms that are in the book, um, bring everything into alignment so that even when when you hit hard road you're not fighting it so much. Yeah. Um, I know for me, and we talk about, about the sleep portion. If I don't sleep, I'm not a happy person. <laughs> like I may paint the picture that yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> but inside it's bad things. You know, yeah. um, I, I, if I don't sleep, I have less willpower. If I don't right. sleep, I have less self-control. And that's just the, the sleep portion. Um, if I don't slow down, sometimes my work gets sloppy. What I do is no good. Um, so there's lots of, I mean, we could pick apart all the elements, but, but really, I think what, what Rebecca really challenged me with, and and hopefully I'll do some introspection as we sit in winter, she talked about, is that my life needs a rhythm. Like I didn't, I had never put the, the, the creation piece together. Right. Right. That like the tide has a rhythm that, that the moon and the stars have rhythm everything has this rhythm that God created order to including his greatest creation, you and me. Right. And so I think really we've got to do some introspection and go, if everything in God's created or has order has a rhythm, why don't I, Right. why am I not leaning into that? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what all that means for
0: me, but I'm hoping to find out. So, well, that's part of the journey. Yeah. That's, that's what we call true discipleship. Right. <laughs> that's what we call, you know, uh, a true growth. You know, that's that we call that a lot of things, but, uh, mostly it's just called getting healthy. So, yeah. right. Yeah, and that's, that's and if we want to do good work for the kingdom for a long time, then we got to be healthy. I definitely was challenged. Um, definitely was challenged by Rebecca, man. I wish we had two hours with her, but, um, but great conversations and, um, grateful that she was on the show and looking forward to seeing her at Q and, in, and, in, in April. So, um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I would stuff. just,
1: if I could say anything to those that listen by the book, Go take the quiz, rebeccalions.com forward slash quiz. Quiz. Um, Find out where you're strong. Find out in the other three how you can do some work. Um, I know that's the first thing I'm going to do when we close the showdown. Let's find out where I'm at on that. Um, and really do some self-evaluation on on how I find better better rhythms to my life. So Amen. again, we're appreciative of Rebecca. Make sure to check her out, RebeccaLyons.com. She's also on some socials. I believe it's just at Rebecca Lyons. I think um, so, yeah. And so make sure you pick up not just the Rhythms of Renewal books. she got a couple of other books for you to fly um, and some other things that resources and they're Gabe and Rebecca, just good people. I mean, we, we really appreciate their, their service around here at Lee when they come around and speak to our students. Yeah. So, so awesome stuff. All right. And as we say, always on the Collective Code Podcast.
0: Like it or not, you got a seat at the table. You got to seat at the table. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. God bless.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collective Code Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate and review and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders?